0: Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Pastor Antoine continues in our series, Beyond. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter.
1: Um, As I was preparing this message, uh, oftentimes what pastors and preachers do, we want to preach unforgettable messages, messages that just resonate with people. And I was reading and studying, and I I read this, I, I heard this quote, And I want to share it with you because it speaks volumes to why the word of God and the the gathering is so important. Um, It says, I don't remember 99% of the meals I've eaten, but they've kept me alive. God uses faithful, forgettable sermons to beautify his bride. And so oftentimes, like, um, we may fall into the habit of trying to do something elaborate and trying to do things thought provoking but the simplicity of the gospel is this that every time we eat a meal we pray usually is for the nourishment of our bodies every time we come into the house of God it's literally for the nourishment of our bodies and so we don't know what we're going to face next week But sometimes what the Lord will do is give you the answers before you know the question. And so as we begin, as I begin to prepare um, the message, uh, a couple things came to mind. Um, um, One question, are you tired or are you empty? Because those are two different things. Like when you're tired, you just need rest and you feel better. But when you're empty, you need to be filled again. And so when we talk about Ephesians and we're going beyond and and we talk about the unity of the church, like it's it's, the unity of the church is so important to God um, because this is how we communicate to the world that the gospel works. So if the church can't get it right, Where's the example for the world? So uh, we become a prisoner to anything that we create. And so if this is gonna be a church that's built on the foundation of who Christ is, it's gonna take all of us to be unified in the work of the kingdom. So the truth of the gospel, and here's the irony, the truth of the gospel is carried or kept in broken vessels. My behavior does not distort. No, my behavior um, does not mean that he's not God. But my behavior can distort or distract you. So, if, so what Ephesians is the first couple chapters can be summed down, summed out in. It's my identity in Christ plus my responsibility, and that equals godly conduct. So what happens um, in Second Corinthians 4, he says, Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that his extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Our brokenness should reveal our necessity for being saved, needing a savior. So, you know, every, every, not every, but um, so we're coming into the Advent season and the coming and baby Jesus once again. And we're going to have presents. And uh, if you'd like to give me any presents, anything electronics will be wonderful. (laughs) Shameless plug. Um, But in all seriousness, uh, the reason why this season means so much to us is because we recognize that he alone is the savior of the world. Real elementary teaching. Right? Um, and so our identity must be rooted and firmly established in Christ, and this should lead us to godly conduct. Uh, Ephesians chapter three, verse 17, uh, "And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. So uh, the whole basis of uh, unity, or the pursuit of unity, is for us to be rooted and firmly established in love. And the whole church said. The success of the church's mission rests not only on the purity of the gospel message, but also the lifestyle of the ones who bring it. The success of the church mission is the purity of the gospel. In the lifestyle of the people who bring it. And so when Ephesians, so when Paul is writing uh, in Ephesians, he's uh, saying, um, "Listen, um, we gotta establish our identity in Christ." That's Ephesians first, uh, the first chapter, second second chapter. And then he says, "Okay, once you establish your identity in Christ, he now begins to give us a uh, a walk through, if you will, of how once we establish our identity in Christ, how we should walk." Uh, give you an example. So. Um, person who uh, enters a a weight loss program, right, if um, they've been in that program for five years and they haven't lost any weight, what would you think? It ain't working. And so if they tell you, say, hey, I'm on this weight loss program, and on this weight loss program, I gain a lot of weight, you're saying, okay, is it weight loss or weight gain? Because uh, what I will submit to you, that if we're not careful, uh, we become bad spokespeople for the gospel. And our relationships are so important um, to God and how we demonstrate those relationships are so important uh, because the message of the good news is to demonstrate it through how we treat one another. So in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, he says, imitate God. And walk in love, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. So everything that Paul is asking the Ephesians to do requires us, say me, say me, requires me. Make it personal, requires me. Say it with your chest, requires me. Say it like you're angry, requires me. Requires me, thank you, sir. Requires me to be filled with the Spirit. At the center of every healthy relationship should be, no, at the center of every healthy relationship is the spirit of God. So I need for you to write that down. Ephesians chapter 5, verse, uh, I'm going to read chapter 5, verse 15 through 21 real quick. pay, Pay careful attention to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. If you're going to be filled with anything, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. When we are filled by the Spirit, our relationships are different. I pause for dramatic effect. I'm going to say it again. When we are filled by the Spirit, our relationships are different. When the people of God aren't filled with the Spirit of God, oh, my God. The Spirit of God um, is what brings unity to the church. And being filled, I'm about to step on people's toes right here Uh, But being filled with the Spirit has less to do with speaking in tongues or emotional responses. But when we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have joy. Do not confuse being tired with being empty. And so when he says be filled with the Spirit, he actually means it. And so the evidence of the Holy Spirit living in us has far less to do with speaking in tongues which you can mimic, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. We know the tree by the fruit it bears. No one looks at an apple tree. Okay. No one looks at a a tree that no one looks at a, a, a tree with pear stuff on it and call it an apple. That was a hard analogy, Gary. Y'all, the saints are not praying. Being filled with the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit does not produce disunity. Being filled with the Spirit does not produce, I just got to get this off my chest. The fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5 and 22, it's the word. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. These are not my words. So whether I live by these words or not does not mean the word is not true. This is the word of God. So when we're preaching, we are poking ourselves as well. Because I'm not the standard. And neither are you. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't have time to, 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 to tell you why there's a but right there. But there's something that was said previously that he's trying to bring a contrast. In other words, I said all of this to say this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. I'm just going to pray for all of us. Lord, help us. Because sometimes we drive each other crazy and we know it. And then there are other times we drive each other crazy and we just, we we don't even understand. Whoa, Lord, just help us. And so he says in verse number 24 of Galatians chapter 5, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, well, gentleness self-control against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, oh my God, with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. And we must not become arrogant, provoking one another and envying one another, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. And then we step, we step into Ephesians chapter 5, and this guy, Paul, now wants to deal with three areas of relationship that he obviously feel led by the Spirit to address and in these areas of relationship, I will, I will contend with you are the blueprint for every other relationship that we have. Ephesians chapter 5. and I got a lot of time. I said I got a lot of time. I don't. But uh, I'm going to get through it because uh, I ain't preaching two Sundays. All right, anyway, so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Um, I'm not going to go over every detail. Uh, if you're if you upset. Be upset with the Lord. Uh, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Speaking of Christ, Um, Now now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. This is relational, and this is in the backdrop of a culture that the husband would have multiple wives and potentially have a mistress. And so he's telling uh, the the husband to uh, submit to love your your wife as your own body. So he's actually deconstructing how the culture is going this way, and um, he's saying, no, this is a better way. Because if you're married, all my married people holler at me, say, I'm married. Marriage reveals just how selfish you are. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about you. Marriage reveals just how selfish you are. Um, notice um, how Paul points the marriage to Christ. The reason in marriage we must not go to our spouses to give us what only Christ can give us. And so there's a tug of war uh that, that's in the culture concerning marriage. And I'm not gonna point, I'm not gonna stay on that, I'm not gonna touch that just yet. Um, maybe in another sermon series, but I'm trying to get somewhere to where God's trying to put me to go. And so uh, just bear with me. So in, in marriage, to submit means to put the wheel of the other ahead of your own. Now, this is very interesting because if you look at uh Ephesians chapter 5, I think it is, Um, 21. Go to 21 real quick. Um, Yeah, listen, submitting, go to verse 20. Um, So if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, giving thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So here's newsflash. He's literally telling us to submit one to another. Prefer their will above your own. And then he now unpacks marriage. And so here's the challenge with us. Submission is not a word that this culture embraces. I'm my own person. Who they supposed to be? I got my own money. So this individualistic approach is counter culture to what God and the folks in the kingdom behave. There isn't a problem with submission in marriage for wives to husbands if that wife knows that husband loves her like Christ loves the church. And and, and so the challenge is, pastor, what do I do when he ain't loving me like he's loving, like Christ loved the church? You need some counseling and I'll make sure my calendar is available because it's too much to unpack right now. The starting point of marriage cannot be you. The starting point of marriage is Christ because in our marriage we are called to glorify God. And we ain't glorifying God We're not speaking, trying to one up each other, arguing like nobody's business. That's not glorifying God. Amen. Marriage exists. I need all married people to write this down in some form or fashion. Marriage exists for the glory of Jesus. Marriage exists for the glory of Jesus. And oftentimes in marriage, we move on to the second type of relationship that Paul wants to deal with. Let's talk about the children. Children, I'm glad we're not having children's ministries, so you can hear this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children. I define children as any person in your household that does not contribute to the household financially. So if you're 17 years old and you're chilling at your parents' house, You're a child. If you're 22 and a half and you got your own apartment but your parents are financing it, you're a child. So I'm just, look, I'm in that mood, Tiffany. I'm just going to put it out there and my email is AntoineLasser at gmail.com. Mature people take care of themselves. So, children Obey your parents in the Lord. And here's how simple Paul put it, because this is right. Paul ain't even trying to get deep. Paul is not saying, like, yo, because, you know, your parents are the one that gave you birth. Uh Uh-uh, because it's right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Listen, he didn't say in the Lord. He said, so you may have long life in the land. He's Listen, children, children, obey your parents. In the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother. And notice when he goes to honor your father and mother, he didn't necessarily say children. It's implied, but it never stops. In other words, he never says stop honoring your mother and your father. So that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. And now he says, okay, now put it heavy on the kids. Then he says fathers. In this culture, uh, men had such authority that men would literally leave children in the street. And, um, and, and sometimes, like, if, if the houses, if, if like, they couldn't make ends meet, they'd just sell their children to slavery. It was crazy. He says, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Here's the message to the children. Children, you have the responsibility to obey your parents. Parents, you have a responsibility to teach your children obedience. No one has to teach children how to disobey. I, I remember uh, my, my youngest son, I mean, I don't know what got into him. It's like terrible twos or something. It was crazy. So we were just, I was just like, hey, eat this. <clears throat> so, so we have to teach children how to share because the natural proclivity is not to. And then we gotta teach them. Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. But they don't mean it. You're teaching them. So the children, you must obey your parents, for the Lord requires it from you. And when we get older, when we become on our own, we don't owe them necessarily obedience, but we do owe them honor. You never stop honoring your parents. You never stop honoring your parents. and So this is a message to someone. Your words are dishonoring your parents. And relationally, see, see, Jesus comes so we can be reconciled with him and so that we can be reconciled to each other. And, And you may not agree with what your parents are doing. You may not agree, but do not dishonor them. Now, again, I I don't have time to unpack it because I hear you in the spirit. Well, what if? Do not stop honoring your parents. That doesn't mean you're condoning. Parents, don't provoke your children. Training and admonishment. Uh, Parents, we are called to teach our children through corrective discipline. We address our children when they are wrong, not palming them off. Because if we don't teach them Discipline, the law will. And the law don't love our children. So he's dealing with marriage, and now he's dealing with children. Uh, neglect, uh, sometimes um, when we don't model proper behavior, it's, it's seen in our children. And oftentimes we discipline our children um, too late because we saw it when they were young. And we just laughed at it. They were talking back when they were four. And we laughed at it. Now they're 14 and they can look us square in the face. Now you're trying to teach them. Too late. But with, all th- with the Lord, all things are possible. So even if that is where we are with our children now, uh, the Lord can reconcile, but you're gonna have to take responsibility. We got to model proper behavior. I once read this, if uh, we make church now as an option for our children, it will be unnecessary uh, when they get older. And so um, children need boundaries, limits, and guidance. Bring them up means to provide, nourish, and feed. So when it comes to discipline our children, I, I just I just wanna throw this out here, parents, again, um, we definitely can talk more about this in detail, but I got to go somewhere. Um, I'm trying to put, go to where God wants me to go. Um, and these are three questions you got to ask yourself, um, because oftentimes when we discipline our children, we, if we discipline them in anger, the point of discipline is missed. Am I disciplining my child because of sinful behavior? Am I disciplining my child because they have offended God? Am I disciplining my child with the gospel in mind? So if we're spanking or correcting our children in anger, we're missing the point. Bring them up means provide, nourish, feed. And now we have arguably one of the most controversial um, part. We talk about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 and through 8. Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing God's will for your heart, serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. Knowing that whatever good each one does, slave or free, he will receive his this back from the Lord and masters treat your slaves the same way without threatening them because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no favoritism with him. First of all, this is not American slavery. This is not antebellum, the antebellum South. Slaves were treated differently. Um, in this context, when he's writing it. Now, if you if you study history, there were um, Bibles given to African-American people, and they took out certain parts of the Bible, and they used that Bible to enslave African-Americans in this country. And so I think it's called the Slave Bible. And what they did was they took some of these scriptures out of context to, pe- to keep people in bondage and submissive. This is not what Ephesians chapter 5, 6 chapter six is referring to Ephesians chapter six was you get into a little debt and what you do is you got to pay off your debt. It's like indentured servitude. So sometimes it would be different. It's crazy how they set this up. Sometimes in this culture, when you got into debt, what you would literally do is you're like, man, I'm poor and I don't like being poor. So I'm going to sell myself voluntarily into slavery so I can sleep at the master's house. And then some of the slavery um, conditions were uh, by the time you turned 30, you were let go. Others, like any time that you felt like, you know what? I can't do this no more. You could literally stop, and you just had to make up the the difference in the debt. So this is the context of this. Um, now, that doesn't mean that all the conditions weren't bad, they were, I mean, were bad, or w- wasn't bad. Some of the conditions were bad, but that's relative. The important takeaway in this context for us is the workplace dynamic. Um, I find interesting, don't work only while being watched. You know how it is. You're really talking to, uh, I got somebody, this is what they'll do. So they'll call me, and they're working, and they'll say, now, so uh, do you want me to submit that order for you or not? I'm like, what are you talking about? And what happened is that somebody walked past, and they they wanted to make sure that they thought they were working. To that person who's under the sound of my voice, they're talking to you. Verse number six, it's just like, we just did like this and stepped on your shoes. Like, yeah. So serve with a good attitude. But Reverend, I don't like my job. Serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to people. You know the hardest thing to do? is the Mondays, right? The Monday workday. Oh, my Lord, it's another Monday. Well, you could have all Mondays off. Like every day of the week off. So there's always something to be thankful for. And, and so then, so that's an employee, um, employee, employer relationship. But here's the beauty of God. Now, he, we talk about the employee, uh, employee, and he says, okay, listen, employee, you have responsibility, do good work. And then he says, employer, you also got responsibilities. Treat your, uh, employ, so a- a- Employers, treat your workers the same way without threatening them. Because you know that both their master and yours is in heaven. Hmm. So those who are employers um, or employees, the, the, the bottom line is God is watching. Even when the cameras are turned off. How many pins do you need? You got, you got Office Depot in your home because of all the stuff you're taking from, and oh, I'm sorry. So whether you are employer or employee, God is watching. So these are three examples. Marriage, children, workspace. When the Spirit fills us, Grace is always extended. Being filled with the spirit results in joy. Even in persecution. Even when we are noticeably done wrong. When you have joy, you are not only happy in God, but you're with you're happy with God. It's a spirit. Um, Joy makes my witness real. Joy makes extending grace easy. This is because the joy of the Lord becomes our strength, strength to overcome the challenges and changes that is a part of life. So Paul wants the entire, the entire congregation to be filled with the spirit so that worship and unity out, I mean, comes from them and the building of the church can take place we have sensationalized the gospel to the point that we've overlooked the practical. The spirit empowers us to do what isn't naturally, what isn't natural, especially in the context of relationships. Submitting to one another is not natural. Submitting to someone because it benefits you is Submitting to one another. Demonstrating commitment isn't natural. This church is called to live in submission to not only Christ, but each other. Which means we turn loose of our individual agendas and live for the good of others. Back in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, I think. We submit to one another in the fear of Christ, the reverence of Christ. When we do not understand the holiness of God, we will have a tendency to bring him down to us. We stop calling sin sin. We become entitled, and entitlement is always there's a fruit of being ungrateful. In this context, we see that Paul is saying be filled with the spirit. So I'm going to give you four things to help with our uh, being filled with the spirit. So I want you to write these things down, four things. Um, again, elementary stuff. Um, because that, that word "filling" filled is continual, like continually be filled with the spirit. And then sometimes when we look in church context, we think it's the laying hands on someone and then there's a demonstration or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and stuff like that. That's not what, no, 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 no. He said, "Being filled with the spirit is constant and requires being intentional because sin, if we're in the flesh. It hinders our, our um, being continually filled. So we have to f- be intentional in fighting against it. First point is believe in God. Second, be obedient. Third, be a student of the word. Fourth, be committed to the church. Church is community of believers. Believe in God. That means have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as teacher, as Savior, as Lord. Second, be obedient. The Lord has freedom. Obedience is the Lord has freedom to occupy and reside in every area of my life. Be free, he is free. And we often hear, don't quench the spirit, don't quench the spirit. Well, also quenching the spirit is being disobedient. Be a student of the word of God. Little prayer, little little power, much prayer, much power. And I will add the application of the word in the same context. Be committed to the church, community of believers. I'm not um, merely talking about attending a worship service or just hanging out with believers because sometimes people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging out with believers, but they ain't holding you accountable. Why? Because um, we're we're called to do life together, and sometimes we overuse that, overuse that. Like, we have, you know, we just doing life together, meeting on a Thursday every week is not doing life together. Deeper than that. Doing life together is we getting in each other's business. But remember, the whole thread of this is in the context of Christ. We're not getting each other's business to uh, to gossip and have a pity party. We're getting each other's business to provoke each other to righteousness. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So Paul lays out all of this. And here's what Paul does. Paul is gangster. He writes this letter, and then in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this is what he says. Finally, I said all that to say this, be strengthened by the Lord. Because once you look at somebody and literally say, you can't do this by yourself. Can't do it. Can't do it. Because you're going to be a prisoner for what you create. And so oftentimes that's why we start, stop things. We're going to have devotions in the mornings. You ain't a morning person. You might want to start off by just building it around your schedule until you become strong enough to be able to wake up four o'clock in the morning and do it. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. It's the Lord, people. If we're going to be filled by the Spirit, we need the Lord to fill us. How are he going to fill us? i'm glad you asked we're going to trust in him in every area. when somebody does wrong does me wrong or does you wrong? you go to the person what if happens if you can't go to the person you can't get to the person you pray for that person because what happens is the enemy as we talked about i don't know three, four weeks ago. The, the, the unity has been given to the church. And what we have to do is fight and protect the unity. And in the pursuit of fighting and protecting unity, mistakes happen. But we have to what? Be graceful towards each other. That's why we need to, the, 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 we need to be filled with the spirit. Then he says, put on the, four, the four armor, so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, say our struggle, is not against flesh and blood. Now, our struggle, so remember the context of this whole Beyond series, beginning with Ephesians chapter 1 and to present, that he starts off with our identity in Christ. And then as our identity in Christ is established, rooted, and firmly established, he says, now this is how you walk. Remember, you walk with humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance. Um, uh, uh, in the Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 3-ish. So what he's saying is, listen, we have to be secured in Christ. That's, that's the bottom line. Because in our marriages, if we're not in Christ, then we are trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit from our own strength. So the fruit of the Spirit is given to us. By him, remember. And then he says, Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about what does it have to do with spiritual gifts? Because this is how he unifies his church continually. So you got a gift, I got a gift. But if neither one of us are filled with the Spirit, those gifts are going to be turned to weapons. I can see what he can't see. I can't believe this is because he said be filled. With the spirit. When we are tired, look at your read your Bible. Now, now Elijah is a prophet like no other. Elijah literally does these wonderful works. He does these wonderful works. He he goes to the mountaintop and he's taunting uh the other priest. He's taunting them. He says, We're gonna we're gonna prove me and you, it's like UFC, we're gonna prove. It's just him and his 400 prophets against who Baal prophets. They're anti-God. He says, we're going to once for all prove who's God. He tells them to go first. Make something happen. Rain fire from heaven. Rain fire from heaven. They try. They're praying. Nothing happened. They start cutting themselves. Nothing happens. Elijah's so filled with the spirit. He's like, hey, maybe he's on the toilet. He ain't responding. Nothing happens. So he goes. And he, he gets dramatic, bro. Like he he gets ward on the on, on altar, soaking wet. Lord, show him who you are. Fire come from him. Woof. He takes it up, up a notch. He kills every one of them. Read your Bible. He kills every one of them. Ahab is the king. Jezebel is his wife. Word get back that um, he killed all their prophets, four hundred of them. She says, "You let him know, it's Jezebel. Before the sun go down, we are gonna kill him." Dude gets scared. I mean, this guy outran a chariot. Like he, I mean he. He outran a chariot, bro. Like this guy, him and him and God got a relationship. And then when he gets word that she going to kill him, he gets afraid. And he I'm talking to someone and he runs into a cave. And what he thought was that he was tired. But you can't keep pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and pouring out and remain full. So the angel of the Lord comes and says, eat. Because when you're empty, one of the symptoms is just physical exhaustion. And The spirit and the Lord's like, listen, here's what I want you to do. to eat. The Lord encourages them. But something bothered me, Gary, when I kept reading the story. Elijah's words changed. It was empty. Then he says, read your Bible. A couple verses later, "Uh, I'm I'm, going to find somebody. And I want you to go. He's plowing the field. And I want you to put what I put on you on him. Hear me. You got to be careful that your emptiness, you must be careful that your emptiness doesn't hinder what God is trying to accomplish through you. And so when we, are, this is for my church and guest. I'm just inviting you in. So when we, we are pausing, we're stopping, we're doing these things. You got to trust, you got to trust that God knows what he's doing. Now, we bumble stuff. Absolutely. Yes. And so I'm talking to someone here today. That understands, man, it's marriage. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's your workplace. Whatever it is, he says, finally, finally, finally be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you may so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the Authorities against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil and spiritual forces in the heavens. We're going to go beyond as a church. Then he goes on, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. He's in in each part. Um, Put that on the screen, yeah. Um, Yeah, First number 13. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be... um, May able to resist the, the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist righteousness like arm on your chest and your feet saddled sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace be ready for the gospel of peace in every situation take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints, even the ones you have problems with. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains, literally. The leader who, who's encouraging the church is saying, I'm in chains. So, give, so even in the chains, give, I'm praying, pray that I am being able to be bold enough to speak about it as I should. So even in chains, and, and what the chains represent is even in moments of discomfort that I have boldness not to shrink back. And he says, Gary, what's, how you pronounce that first name? That guy, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me so that you may be informed. I'm sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. Peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ he ends he ends with this while he's sharing and encouraging the message that the Lord has given him for the people he recognizes his own struggle and he says "Hey, pray for me that I may continue to be bold. Because when persecution comes, we have a tendency to shrink back. So in our relationships, marriage, workplace, um, children with each other, he's given us a blueprint. Remember a couple messages back, we talked about the pursuit of that unity, that we gotta be a church that's unified. And what keeps us unified is the Spirit of God.
0: That concludes this week's message. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel like to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.